we are back with another powerhouse pillar tax podcast getting a great response back we want to appreciate everyone that that tunes in if you're new tuning in make sure to check out pillartaxacademy.com make sure to share this podcast out because we're dropping so much incredible content and knowledge and let's just get right into it dan this week good to see you again dan my you pleasure. Hey, hey, let me make a let me make a comment to the viewers here before we get into the conversation. Right. If anybody's got any questions, you know, you can submit the questions how JV email or response to the podcast yeah, in the, in the comments. Taxacademy.com. They can submit. Yeah, submit your questions at pillowtaxacademy.com and you know we'll we'll answer them on the uh, on the cast here if we possibly can. Absolutely. You know, we'll get we'll get mix them in. I know it's gonna give you some great ideas. Is there a tax question you can't answer, Dan? Well, I'm not a tax planner, Jay. And so I, I don't get into... I don't know about that. I don't. Hey, don't let it fool you. <laughs> but but any, I'll tell you what, anything to do with IRS compliance, anything to do with problems resolution, anything to do with audit, defense, and appeals, anything to do with collection issues, I can deal with all of that stuff. If you've got some tricky questions about... Uh, about uh, your tax return and, and and you know and how to avoid red flags that sort of thing I can I can deal with all that stuff Jeb I've seen just well I've seen every kind of tax case you can imagine and I've seen a few things that you probably can't imagine and so I can I can help practically anybody with just about anything you know I know the big question everybody's asking once you start you start saying those type of things Dan who does your tax <laughs> That's uh, well, I'll tell you what, Jay, I do one tax return a year. I prepare one income tax return a year, just one, and it's my own. <laughs> I do my own taxes. That's And, and, and I'll tell you what, I, I'm not a tax return preparer. I don't want to be a tax return preparer. I don't I, I don't want to do two returns a year. It's bad enough doing one as far as right. I'm concerned. But uh, but, uh, you know, we help we help people of every description with tax problems, including Jay tax return preparation. You know, you know, my daughter, Mackenzie, she's yes. got 10 years of experience now working in my firm. Uh, she does our tax return preparation. In addition to my client support, uh, she's my right arm when it comes to client support for the litigation cases we have. But she probably does about, I don't know. I'm guessing 120, 130 tax returns a year, and almost all of it's remedial, Jay. So we're fixing other people's problems wow. all the time. Yeah, if y'all want to get some information about that, submit over there. We'll get you hooked up with Mackenzie because you know she's close to Dan. So I got y'all close. See, I, could, I couldn't get him to do your return, but I got him to where he's got his blood involved here. So, yeah, we can, Dan, we can, we can get you real close, no doubt. It's close. Dan, listen. The IRS is talking about they're going to turn up the audits on businesses. I mean, uh, is that stuff that small businesses should be concerned about? What's going on? Well, you know, they've been telling us, Jay, for, for almost two years now, well, over two years now, that they're only going to audit people that are making more than $400,000 a year. They're going only going after businesses making more than $400,000 a year. Well, first of all, Jay, that's less than 1% of the people out there. The IRS believes that there's a $430 billion tax gap and they're going to go after 1% of the population to try to close that cat, that tax gap. That just doesn't make any sense, Jay. It's irrational. 
The fact of the matter is that I've been writing extensively about this over the last two years. My articles are, are, are carried on uh, nationalreview.com. So you can go to nationalreview.com, just put my name in the search box. You'll see the articles that I've written about this. The yes. fact of the matter is that the IRS has been from the start targeting small businesses, self-employed people, Schedule C, sole proprietorship, uh, part small partnership businesses, the so-called flow-throughs. And what I mean by flow-throughs are where the business earns the money, but the profit or loss is reported on the individual's tax return. Unlike a regular corporation where the corporation files its own tax return, the flow-throughs report the uh, property report that, the that's property. like an s-corp right Dan? an s-corp yeah an s-corp is a flow through jay now it okay. does in fact have its own tax return but the profit or loss the bottom line income or loss goes on the individual's tax return so if the irs audits, audits an individual's tax return they don't necessarily they don't automatically see the business tax return now, here's the problem with small businesses. The IRS believes that about 50% of that, of that tax gap, that $430 billion number that I gave you, is coming from small businesses. They think that small businesses are cheating virtually across the board, wow. not, on, not on tax deductions so much. We often think in terms of tax cheating as tax deductions. Right. They're thinking that is coming in the form of unreported income. And so when they say they're only going after the, you know, the top 400,000 people or um, uh, $400,000 of income earners, the commissioner of IRS last year very carefully and artfully qualified that statement by saying we are not going to increase the audits of people earning less than $400,000 compared to historical standards. Mm. And so I asked myself, well, what are the historical standards? Historical standards. The historical standards, Jay, are that the IRS breaks down taxpayers into 14 different categories. Okay. Right? Small businesses and self-employed is one category. Okay. Large corporations, government organizations, charitable organizations, you know, there's trusts and estates. There's 14 different categories. Okay. Uh, small businesses and self-employed is one category. 60% of all of the audits that are done are done of small businesses and self-employed. So when the IRS says they're not going to increase those numbers compared to historical standards, well, the historical standards are that you are going to be audited at a rate of 60% compared to all of the other 13 categories that make up the rest of the 40%, Jay. So you have a far better chance of being audited as a small business self-employed person than any other category of taxpayer. Well, I guess that's my next question. I who do they decide that they're going to audit? Does it fall? Is that is that already been made? Is that already decided in that sixty percent? Well, what they 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 do it they do it basically two ways. There's a number of different ways they select returns for audit, but they're the I'll talk about the two of the most common ways. The single most common way is through a computer program known as a discriminant income function system, DIF. Yeah. It's called the DIF program. And what this program does is it's a sophisticated computer program that compares every line of your tax return with national and regional statistical averages for a person in your same income category and profession. If any one line of your return is out of sync with the averages, the difference is scored. It's called a diff score. So the higher the score you have, the farther away you are from the averages, the more likely you are to be audited. Two thirds of all tax returns that are audited are audited based on these diff scores. So the IRS is looking at small business 
uh, tax returns in particular, and they're looking at the various deductions that are on the return. And the further away you are from the averages, the more likely you're going to be uh, you are to be audited. Jay, think of it as financial profiling. That's what they're doing. Uh -huh. they, build, they build a financial profile of an individual that's in this category of profession in that part of the country. And then they say, okay, this is what the no quote unquote normal picture looks like. And anybody who's far away from that normal, we're going to take a look at them. That's number one is the DIFF program. The second way they select tax returns for audits primarily is through what they call enforcement initiatives. Over okay. the course of time, the IRS sees patterns in non-compliance. And when they start to identify patterns and non-compliance, and those patterns manifest in one way or another, they put a red flag around that particular pattern. The best example I can give you of this is offshore activity. All right, starting in about 2005 and moving into 2010, the IRS became very, very aggressive with offshore tax compliance issues, and they built a massive compliance initiative around offshore. Right. So if there's any attribute of your tax return that's that that smacks of an offshore issue, that's something that's going to be looked at. Now, when we say looked at, I don't necessarily mean a face to face, full blown audit. Right. Mm -hmm. Returns are flagged and then screened and then assigned for examination. So in between the flagging process and the examination process, the screeners look at this and they decide, should we delve further into this particular tax return or not? And this is where my audit proofing techniques grow around that screening process. Because if you can provide information with the return that will answer potential questions raised in the return, then you can avoid uh, you can avoid a face-to-face -face audit, even though that return is going to be looked at and screened. No question about that. Hey, now that brings me to my next question as you were talking about that. So then you said uh, audit proof. So how do you win an audit? Well, let, let's talk about how to avoid an audit first. Let's talk about audit proofing. <laughs> audit -proofing how right? you win it is avoid it first, right? <laughs> right, that's right. We want to avoid it first. And, and the, the way I've done that, Jay, is with Form 8275. Form 8275 is called a disclosure statement. And that allows you to provide information and explanations with the tax return that will answer potential questions raised in the tax return. Let me give you an example. If you are tithing, if you are giving 10% of your income to charity, tithing, of course, is based on 10% of income, right? That's the whole right. idea of a tithe. If you're doing that, you're giving money to charity at a rate of about three and a half to four times the national average. All right. For, 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 so, so if you're tithing, then you put that 10% down on your tax return, that, that number, whatever your amount is, okay. that's something that's going to be looked at. That's something that's going to be flagged. Is the IRS going to go through a full-scale audit on this or not? That re that would remain to be seen. But if you put a Form 8275 with your tax return and you explain that you are a giver, you're a tither, you give at 10%, and okay. then you provide copies of the documents, Jay, copies okay. of the documents supporting your deduction right with the tax return, you got the explanation and the documentation. The chances of going through a face-to-face -face audit are are greatly reduced to the point of virtual non-existence because now they've got the information in their hand that addresses the questions that were flagged by the computer. Now, okay. keep in mind that there's 160 million individual income tax returns that were filed this last filing season. So the IRS does not have time to go after everybody. 
by definition, the purpose of the audit is to determine the correctness of the tax return, and they have to focus because of resources, right? They don't have all the money in the world, even though we think the federal government has unlimited resources, they do not, all right? They've got to focus their resources where it's going to generate the most return on investment, right? How much money are we going to, we don't want to chase a ghost. They don't want to have to put people through audits that don't result in increased tax liability to the IRS. They have to go after the people where they're going to collect the money. That just makes sense, right? It just makes common sense. Right. So if they know from the information that you provided on the front end that you did not make a mistake on your tax return, that your calculation is correct, they're going to go after one of the other 160 million taxpayers who didn't provide the information mm -hmm. where there are potential holes in compliance. And that's where they're going to spend their time and attention. And that's what my audit proofing strategies are based on that I've been using for north of 30 years. Is this some of the things like for business owners, they can get in the damn pillar uh, business owners mastery class that you do. This is a video yeah. course that we put together. Can they get these answers in there? Yeah, absolutely. The, the uh, Small Business Tax Mastery course discusses the, 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 the concept of, of, of verifying your deductions. I spent a great deal of time in the Small Business Tax Mastery course, Jay, on, on uh, probably 16 or 17 of the most common problems that small businesses face with the IRS. And the most common problem, the most common problem is lack of proper substantiation. All right. Uh, uh, over 60% over of all of the problems that people have with the IRS, small businesses in particular, that grow out of disallowed deductions are documentation problems. It's not that they misunderstood the law. It's not that they tried to cheat. It's not that they zigged when they should have zagged. It's not any of this stuff that we typically associate with complex tax compliance. It's as simple as this, Jay. They didn't keep the proper records. records. They didn't have the proper documentation. I've got a section in the book that shows you what proper documentation is. In fact, when I look, when we look at the various different elements of, of, uh, of, tax deductions in the small business tax guide, I show you exactly how to keep records to prove that particular deduction. I'll give you an example. Okay. One of the, probably the single largest tax deduction that most small businesses get is the deduction for their business mileage in their automobile. Right? I said, I said mileage. Y'all see me guess that? I said mileage. See, I'm a student. Okay. Mileage. Yeah, exactly. No, you're exactly right. And depending on what business you are, it could be a massive deduction. For example, realtors are in their cars all the time. They're running around hither and yon all right. the time, right? They might have to make 10 or 15 car trips to sell one house. And, right. then, and then they got to make a trip when they sell the house over to the, over to the title company for the closing, right? To pick up their check. So yeah. it, it just, it, it's a, it's a massively uh, travel or massively, it, it's a heavily travel oriented business and most people don't know how to keep a mileage log jay so they lose their most valuable tax deduction because they're not keeping a mileage log properly the small business tax mastery course shows you how to do that and then i show you what the documents are that you have to keep so getting back to our audit point here you don't then have the risk of falling into that category of north of 60 percent of the uh small business people that just simply aren't keeping their tax records properly. You're going to be one of those rare 40 percenters that are keeping your records properly. So if you go through an audit, you're not going to sweat bullets. 
You know, we don't want people sweating bullets when it comes to tax compliance, Jay. And most people are because most people never know whether they did it right or not. All right. Somebody says, hey, Dan, I love this. I've got the information. I've got the strategies. I got audited. Can you help me? What do you do in that case? Yeah, absolutely. We can help you for sure. And, and the, fir the first thing you need to do when you're audited. Well, let's talk about what not to do. The first thing not to do when you're audited, Jay, is don't panic. All right. Remember, earlier I said that two-thirds of all tax returns selected for audit are selected through the computer program, the DIF program, right? The computer selected the return based on statistical averages. Well, a statistical average, Jay, is nothing more than, than a composite of a high and a low. That's all it is. Okay. So just because your numbers are off base compared to the compared to the average doesn't mean that your numbers are wrong. The audit is the process by which the IRS determines the correctness of the tax return. If you go into that audit with your records, your documents, your proof showing that your return is correct, you're going to end up with a no change audit. Now, no change audits are very rare, right? Few, fewer than 12% fewer than, uh, of all audits are no change or a refund, right? That means 88% of every audit, the person ends up owing money. But remember the reason for that, Jay. The reason for that is because two-thirds of the people out there don't have the proper documentation. Right. Right. So you don't have to worry about the audit if you're keeping your records properly. They can have legitimate expenses. They just didn't keep it tracked. That's exactly right. And, and this is all about tracking, 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 tracking. That's exactly correct. That's right. And there's a systematic... Why don't people track better overall, Dan, in your opinion? Say again, Jay? Why don't people track better overall from your experience? Well, there's I think there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, they don't know what they're what they're supposed to be doing. You know, I, I tell people all the time, well, Jay, you got to keep good records, keep good records. And people say, well, great, Dan, what, what are good records? What does that even mean? <laughs> right. So people don't even know what they're supposed to keep. Right. So that's number one. And then secondly, look at they get. People don't want to be accountants, Jay. They don't want to be. Now, there's accountants out there that want to be accountants. There's CPAs out there that want to keep records and, and do tax returns, but the vast majority of small business people don't want to be CPAs. They want to be whatever it is they want to be. They want to be. So what do you recommend? Well, I think I think first of all, you got to have some help setting up an accounting system to make it easy. Okay. Right. So, so you don't want a chore every day. You want a process, not a chore. The other thing that small business people have to wrap their head around, Jay is that you are getting paid to do this. Now, nobody's writing you a check, that's for sure. But right. the fact of the matter is the better records you keep, the more deductions you capture, the less tax liability you'll have, right? So the less you'll owe the government and, and the more peace of mind you will have over this concept of a tax audit. The, the, more, the, the, the better records you keep, the more thorough records that you keep, the easier it is going to be yeah, to man. work with your tax preparer and the less it's going to cost you to have your return done. So this is what I see now. Make money doing this. This is what I see. Because you said make money by doing it, but most people see it as adversarial in paying taxes. Like they don't see it as adversarial in if they are a trucker and they're paying for gas you know, or maintenance. They don't see that as adversarial. They see that as the cost of doing business. That's if right. they can reduce that, then they made more money. But I think the argument needs to stop of, is this adversarial? It's the way it is until something changes. So this is part of my income strategy that my number one expense is taxes from what we've learned from Dan. 
So if that's my number one expense and I learn to minimize that, I am giving myself a pay increase. Would you agree with that? Oh, there's, that's absolutely true. There's no doubt about it. And that's exactly why I say you get paid to do the work. You get paid to do the, do the work in a number of ways. First of all, you reduce your tax liability. That's more money directly in your pocket. Number two, you alleviate the concern and the anxiety over the potential of an audit. If I'm audited, what's it going to cost me? Well, if you got your records lined up and you've done this properly, the audit's not going to cost you anything in terms of more money owed to the IRS. Number three, it's going to cost you less money to interact with your accountant when your accountant or your tax preparer has to do less work getting your records in order and shaped up and you've done the stuff yourself properly. That saves you preparation fees. So there's three ways it pays you back, at least, maybe more if we think about it a little bit more. But there's at least three ways it pays you back, Jay, if you're doing this correctly. It's awesome, man. Hey, this is another powerhouse episode. Power pack. We're giving it to you. Look, concentrated, unadulterated, and right to the point. So Dan's been another great episode. Any party words for this episode? Yeah, no such thing as a helpless tax case, Jay. I don't <laughs> care what your problem is. I don't care what you what kind of problem. Hey, you've been you saying that for years. Huh? I'm telling you, and I'm going to say it for years more. Hopefully, uh, I'm going to keep saying it. There's, yeah. I don't care what your problem is. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Don't get yourself into trouble. But if you are in trouble, we've got the material that'll get you out of trouble. So stick with us. Follow us on these podcasts. Follow us on social media and like and share this stuff with all your friends. That's beautiful, man. Empowerment. Knowledge is power. Thank you, Dan. See y'all next episode. All right. Got